0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale Gang. Welcome back to Riverdale Gang, the critical commentary watch along podcast about Riverdale the show, recorded here on unceded Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam and Squamish territory, where much of Riverdale is shot. I'm Chloe, and I am one half of the hosts who is normally here, the Riverdale Gang Podcast, but we had a last-minute mix-up with our dear other co-host, Ryan, who is working the Neverland Night Circus tonight. If you happen to be local, the Vancouver Fringe is running right now. This is an outdoor COVID-safe show that's quite a lot of fun. Um, I got the chance to participate in one of their productions, Slumber Here, a few years ago. I played one of five pucks, and Ryan directed me. Um, and they recently did a really, really magical show right before COVID hit, um, at the fringe, basically before COVID hit called, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. It was about Alice in Wonderland and it was wonderful. It had a name like Down the Rabbit Hole or... Alice in Glitterland. There we go. Oh, man, I feel so bad. That was one of the best, like, opening sequences of any show I've seen in theater in Vancouver, um, that show. So, yeah, if you happen to be local, please go check out the Neverland Night Circus. Say hello to Ryan. He'll be running around and busy, but um, uh, he'll be there. So it's just me today, gang. Um, If you don't like listening to one person talk for an hour, this might not be your episode. (laughs) Um, but what a fun, interesting episode of Riverdale, to be honest. There were, I, I found myself liking one half of the episode, which is often the case for me. I really enjoyed Jughead's storyline, obviously, is the character I identify with a lot. So I often sort of fixate on whatever he's doing. And I actually really love the choices they made for Veronica in this episode. I thought they were really fun. And uh, some of them were really unexpected for me, to be honest. Um, and I like where we're going with Hiram's character now that we know a little bit more about his backstory. It's, it's nice to, I, am actually enjoying seeing him on screen more than I generally do. Um, so that's been quite fun. Not crazy about Archie's storyline, not crazy about Betty's storyline, although I really appreciate, um... This thing about talking about the army and mental health, that's something that I really, really value. I don't know if any of you have listened to um, the Serial podcast. A lot of people didn't like the second season of the Serial podcast, and I loved it. Um, It's about Bo Bergdahl, who walked off his post in Afghanistan in 2015 or thereabouts, No, that's impossible. I think he was rescued in 2015. Something like that. I actually have the dates wrong. I apologize for that. Um, Yeah, Sergeant Bergdahl walked off his post in Afghanistan um, and was captured by the Taliban and imprisoned for five years and finally brought home. And uh, they get into the psychology of, like, why he walked off his post and kind of the inner workings of the army and the mentality of the, of the military, excuse me, not specifically the army of the, the, um, mentality of the army in the United States and possibly in other, um, other armies in the world. I really don't know. Um, I would say I'm even like my, my education about the American military is, um, uh, minimal, um, but I would say I know more about the American military than I do about any other male- military in the world, probably including the military of the country that I live in, um, which makes sense. I feel like the, in a lot of ways, American war films are relatable in the sense that we see that content a lot. I don't necessarily mean they're relatable in the sense that uh, we identify with them, um, we anybody, necessarily identifies with them but um the way that the American military is portrayed by Americans in media I think is very familiar to a lot of people in the world so it's interesting to see Riverdale choosing to incorporate these really big narratives um love what they're doing with Cheryl I love a cult I admit it I love a cult um Cults are like the rabbit hole I fall down um, in the internet. Um, Today I was actually doing some reading on what constitutes a cult today because um, I have a close friend, hi Kay, who listens to a podcast about cults. And um, the person who hosts this podcast, I'm afraid I don't know the name, uh, remarked apparently, and Kay has remarked this to me, that the only difference between a religion and a cult is that in a cult... The thing that you worship is, like, on the earth. Uh, It is a person, often. It is something tangible, whereas in religion, it's something intangible. In other words, God. Now, I don't know that I agree, to be honest. I think that there are a lot more features to both religion and cults. Although, I, I would be remiss in not noticing that they are interrelated in some ways. Um, but I was reading about cults today, and a uh, really interesting um, cult expert, Dr. Lalich, who is the, uh, herself um, a survivor of a political cult, uh, who makes a link between cults and abusive relationships, which is actually something that my pal Kay, hi Kay, and I talk have talked about as well, um, and also define defined a cult in a really interesting way for me, um, because there are different types of cults. There are not cults are not necessarily religious, um, in nature, um, or borrowing or stealing from religion and spirituality in nature. Cults and new religious movements are not necessarily the same thing. Um, but, uh, what sort of sets cults apart, um, so that could be a religious cult, that could be a political cult, that could be, um, uh, a business or entrepreneurial cult like Nixium, which, by the way, there are two really fabulous Nixium documentaries out there. I really recommend that you check them out. They are fascinating. They are so fascinating. Um, uh, a lot of it has to do with zealotry, uh, mind control, um, making money, and proselytization. So, for example, a religion that like doesn't proselytize, to be honest, doesn't really seem like particularly culty to me, um, as an example. Um, yeah, so th- I, that was a really interesting, um, piece of reading. Um, cults are fascinating. It's quite dark to read about a lot of cults, but, um, yeah, if that's an internet hole that you like to fall down, I really recommend you check out Dr. Lalich's work. Um, I might post, uh, her website, in the comments on, or in the uh, episode description on this particular episode, just because I think it makes for really interesting reading. But it's a little, little heavier than why we're here watching our favorite Dark Sugar Trash show. Ugh, it was just so good to see some of these characters, and um, I'm probably going to have some big reactions to some lines and some kind of mediocre reactions to others, but why don't we jump in? And I will remember to talk about the lighting in the way that Ryan does because I feel like that's something he notices really keenly. And uh, if there are any political conversations to be had, I will try to have them with myself. Are we having fun yet, Riverdale gang? Okay. Um, Again, uh, for anyone who is for some reason joining us for the very first time, normally it's not just me, Chloe. There is also Ryan, who is here, who has a deeper voice than me. And uh, this is... uh, a spoiler podcast. We talk about the plot before it happens. And as I said, we're also a watch-along podcast. So we're going to sync up our Netflixes if you're watching it on Netflix. If you're not watching it on Netflix, um, I'm going to do the Netflix bladoom, bladoom, oh god, bedoom, and then the Warner Brothers new awful noise. <laughs> um, and then the episode will start. Okay, ready Yang? One, two, three. That was Warner Brothers for anyone who didn't know. I have to say, even though I'm not crazy about this storyline, just because I get very nervous when people talk about the military. I feel like they get it wrong in terms... And by military, I mean like veterans experience. Sorry, I feel like people get veterans experience wrong a lot. But these... um. Soldiers just hanging out in the background of Archie's life is like very, oh man, very heavy. Oh, here comes Chadwick. I have to say, Chadwick is one of my least favorite characters on this show. I just, I just dislike him immensely. Maybe I'm actually reacting to the characterization and not to something more meta. Anyway, this, I have to say, I really liked Veronica's plot in this episode She really kind of sets up herself as a powerhouse in a way that I think is really fun. The other thing I thought was kind of fun about this scene was that I'm so used to people talking to each other over Zoom now and over other types of um, distanced communication that it didn't... I wonder if them talking over the computer would have struck me as odd if this episode had aired a couple of years ago. I wanted to hear Kevin sing, Joseph... um, don't love Andrew Lloyd Webber, but I I like a few songs from Joseph, and I love Jesus Christ Superstar. Jason himself commands it. No more singing. (laughs) She's just done. She doesn't want to listen to her daughter sing anymore. She doesn't want to listen to any more musical theater. Cheryl is disappointed. Jughead, seven days sober. Listen, sobriety is really difficult. Um, and I want this for this character. <laughs> Apology to her. That's quite funny. Um, gosh, Namick is really good at making Alice Cooper look like she's just at her wits end. Really kind of nice minimalist acting from Machenamek here. So I don't love this. I don't love this plot line that Betty's stuck in pretending to be a sex worker. I don't. Sex work is just one of those things that is poorly understood by people who don't live it. And I really do think that maybe only sex... I'm st- I'm starting to feel very strongly that maybe only sex workers should be making art about sex work, you know? Um, or, like, hire a consultant and, like, get it right. Even for, like, a small show... Small show. It's a huge show. Even for a show that is not necessarily hard-hitting on every issue, like Riverdale. Um, I think that... Um, I think it's good. I think it's good to get right, you know? Anyway. Anyway, here's that dog. Um, yeah, you didn't even arrange for a substitute. Yeah, you really dropped the ball on that, Jughead. Um, also, very stressful job for anyone who is a teacher right now going back into September. Uh, I wish you well. I hope things are going well for you. Pandemic year round twos is the second fall of the pandemic, I think it is. So I really liked this detail that's coming up about Reggie and Hermosa getting together. Um, I was really surprised that Hermosa told him where the Palladium was. And I'm wondering if Hermosa's going to come out of the woodwork as... um, I don't know exactly what, but uh trying to sort of supplant Hiram and might become sort of the new villain um taking over from Hiram that she's sort of um playing him by telling her ex boyfriend, like his former henchman or ex whatever, his former henchman uh where his beloved palladium is. Because I don't think Hermosa is outmanipulated easily. That's like the big impression that we're left with with her character is that she's difficult to outmanipulate. And um, I don't think they've set up Reggie's character as being that good a manipulator yet. You know? Oh, big yawn for me, Riverdale game. Of course, as usual, I'm sort of waiting for sirens to start ringing in the background, but it hasn't happened yet, which is nice. Um, there's something very kind of touching about, um, I'm distracted. Here's the moment. Ah, let me, let me do it. Let me, let me call your sister about the time that we booped. even though, yes, we also boopsed. I have boopsed both of you. Awkward. Um, I find something very touching about the fact that Hiram hides palladium under a house. Uh... There's something sort of heartfelt about that, sort of accidentally heartfelt, like the home. If the home is where the heart is and the palladium reminds him of his father, (laughs) such great reactions from uh, Camila Mendez there. I, listen, give Kevin more to do. Please give Kevin more to do. This outfit on Cheryl, though. Ugh, the Viridian. I love when she pulls out the Viridian. I think it's a. I think it's a good character choice. She really means business when she's wearing Viridian. I mean, she really means business when she's wearing red, but there's like a special type of manipulative Cheryl that wears Viridian, I think. That is the coding that I'm taking away from this show. I was obsessed with David Copperfield, the magician. So, <laughs> um... Yeah, I think this is fun. I think it's fun that they're taking this particular position on cults, that it's all kind of a magic trick, which a lot of manipulation is sort of a magic trick. Um, to, to my mind, I find the ability to manipulate other people very mysterious because I don't have it. I'm a blunt little soul. And uh, the idea that it's possible to kind of manipulate people is very intriguing to me. Good advice. I will get. Lighter if you share the burden. <clears throat> I. Uh, I think. It, it It interested me. That in the scene coming up. We actually saw quite a few dead bodies, again, like this newer season of Riverdale where they're adults. The CW has allowed them to sort of... It seems like, anyway, the CW has allowed them to show a lot more gore. Um, You know, we saw um, Mark Consuelos as uh, Hiram's father um, being shot up pretty good. And then we saw... um, Mark Consuelos' son, whose first name I do not remember, um, as young Hiram uh, shooting those men in the restaurant. And then we saw Hiram smother Vito. Um, And coming up here, of course, we're going to see, you know, not blood and gore, but like quite a few dead bodies. And they really kind of like they showed they showed violence in the um in the previous seasons of Riverdale but there was sort of an emotional weight missing that I find is really present in scenes like this, you know. Um even though this isn't a full-blown war movie, we <clears throat> we do see we do see you know quite a few dead bodies. Um The other thing I think is interesting about the way that they're showing Archie in the military is the sort of... Is it interesting? I don't know. I kind of struggle with the ethics of Archie kind of being a soldier of every war. Um, And what I mean by that is he talks... Like, he's got these... It's like a very modern problem that's not getting um, enough support when they uh, come back from serving. Um, And then that's combined with like Archie's uniform is very forties. And then he mentions fighting in the trenches. Like it, it's, it's sort of, they're definitely setting up Archie to be, as I said, like a, a soldier, soldier of every war and kind of holding every era of, um, sort of the regular grunt in the, in the military. And I just think it's, I think it's an interesting choice, but I also don't know how I feel about it in the sense of like, Wars all operating the same. I do think that American military tactics have changed over the years. And wars are fought differently now. Um, Someone is shouting out my window. Something good's happening out there, Riverdale gang. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, someone's having a day. One can never have too many spider brooches. I love that that's what she does it for. Um... I absolutely love that's what she does it for. Um, some du- palladium doubloons. Doubloons, friends. When's the last time anyone touched a doubloon that wasn't a museum employee or a historical expert? I've never touched a doubloon. If any of you have touched a doubloon, you can tweet at us. <laughs> <Veronica's> like, what? <laughs> um... Oh yeah. Okay. So, so. <sighs> we have to do some like <sighs> birth breathing through this. I the, cho- the, the mm, one of the reasons I um, identify so hard with Jughead is this thing about writers and deadlines. As someone who was a playwright for, I guess I'm verging on ten years, um, the the stress of a creative deadline is so massive. And I actually found this scene really interesting because um Jughead owns like both Tabitha owns not being a good trip buddy and Jughead owns like he, yeah, I shouldn't have done that to you. I just, I thought it was interesting. I Often I find that the show doesn't really deliver like the correct apology or what I perceive as the correct apology for the characters. And I, this feels like exactly the right, this feels like exactly the scene that I wanted. Um, yeah. I also, I'm trying to remember, I feel like I had a theory about Jessica in the book. Or we did, Ryan and I did. Also very like, it's pretty interesting jughead storylines very like washed out colors. Like you'll notice the pinks are kind of muted here. It's day. Um the colors are kind of very brown or the color palette rather is very brown in the um AA meeting. And Tabitha's uniform is very white or very white, very light, very bright colored this yellow, but it doesn't seem to I guess she is wearing a white apron. Um but it doesn't seem very bright in this sequence. Um, yeah, and his, like, dark-colored shirt. Like, I just think they're, they're, there's big, like, morning-after-I'm-trying-to-recover-from-my-hangover feel to this lighting for me. Um, which I think is interesting. And here we've got some bold red, pink stained glass, pink sequins for... Our pal Cheryl. I'm interested in this symbol that Penelope's always wearing. <laughs> uh, wine into, ma- uh, water into maple syrup. Very theatrical. Uh, glass. Arrival from Kevin. Mm, that makes me want pancakes looking at that maple syrup. Yum. And Penelope's like, ugh, what have we done? So. I'm. Something I'm very curious about in terms of cult leaders is do they know what they're doing, and to what extent do they know what they're doing um I think in particular of Keith Raniere who ran Nixium and it was basically a cover up for um a sex cult um and sexual trafficking, essentially, of um, of women who were sort of su- he sort of conditioned into being subservient to him. Um, and what I find particularly intriguing about Nixium is that sort of seems to be the end goal for Keith Raniere is to just have as many women to um, engage with sexually as possible. And so, what I find interesting between that and say, um, like the folks at Waco, which felt a little bit more like a, rel- a new religious movement that was just quite extreme, um, but the, yeah, it all it all seems to like come back. Like the, I, one of the things I find really interesting about cults is the um, parallels between cult and just sort of overall patriarchy. <laughs> you know, um where there is this servitude of women that seems to be one of the one of the defining features of some cults. I just think it's very interesting. Anyway, talk through that whole scene where a commanding officer in a military doesn't want to take um responsibility for his actions, which is very true to me. I, um, I suspect in organizations where you are just supposed to do what the commanding officer says, you, uh, it can be quite powerful to be that commanding officer, you know? Oh, you might've heard my door rattle because someone else closed a door in my apartment building. What am I gonna do? And he gets this idea. Ugh, this this thing that he nearly does is so immoral. I it was really interesting watching this scene and then watching him call his agent in a bit just like made me hate this character because I thought that's what he was going to do for sure. I I just I was like, that's it, Jughead. I don't identify with you anymore. I low-key hate you. How could you? You cannot come back from this. Um, again, I feel like Archie's character is holding space for like a variety of military experiences. And again, we're we're in genre where the emotions are straightforward. Uh we get told what people are thinking and feeling, and that's kind of it. And there are these uh, broad ideals, broad emotions that we're kind of all working with here, and so we check in with a mom who blames the commanding officer um and then of course, later we we check in with two different spouses, I think, and oh, here we go. I thought this sequence was so fun see when Cheryl really means, really means business. She's wearing the red. Um, I wonder if all these actors were in the same room together. I don't think they were. Um, uh, so she's, this is so fun. She's just pretending her dad is just some other guy in the room and she just willfully ignores him. And I, there's like, (laughs) <laughs> He's just so insignificant to her. And she doesn't pay him any attention. I think it's a fun choice. Um these Yeah. I don't know. I think the this moment is really fun because like we know Hiram's weakness now. We know sort of what his overall plan is, which is a great choice for Hiram's character because one of the things I found so um, confusing and frustrating about him is that it felt like he was a villain, and then later they kind of filled in the reason. So something I find really interesting here is that this is presented as this could be a husband, this could be a brother, this could be a friend... Um, To me, it reads very much as a husband um, for some reason, maybe because I'm already queer, but just letters home always feel very intimate to me. Um, And I found it interesting that they didn't really explicitly come out and say that, and I wonder if they were trying to make that storyline sort of more palatable, or if the CW told them they couldn't, which I don't love, that would seem unusual for this show. Um, this is the collective pain. The blood of the stigmata. Mimicking the holy wounds of Jason. Yikes. Great outfit, though. Great outfit on Penelope, too. Great outfits all round. Very good. Um, yeah. See, here I feel like we're explicit your husband's memory. Um, yeah, I just, I wonder. And we get, yeah, anyway, we get this breath of, like, blame. Whatever you do, you should, you, whatever you feel is right, you should do. You get the, I just need to move on. Um... We kind of get a bit of everything, and I, I do think it is very touching that they have the soldiers present in Archie's consciousness in these scenes um I suppose it's a pretty old trick, but I think well I think it's well placed here it's sentimental in the in a way that I find appealing personally um <laughs> Who knew spreading light and love could be this exhausting? So this is what I wonder. This is what I wonder about cults. Um, obviously, Riverdale is uh, playing with cults as just like um, totally performative, totally fake. But given where Cheryl sure kind of ends up in this episode, it makes me curious. I wonder if cult leaders really believe kind of what kind of what they're saying. I'm highly allergic. Um, I wonder what this is in reference to, this Queen of the Bees thing. I've never seen that bee movie with Nicolas Cage. I wonder if there's some reference there. I don't know. Um, here's Chad again with his annoying face. Gosh, this character annoys me so much. Not the actor's fault. Truly not the actor's fault. I just... Um, I think they're writing this character well enough that I just hate him, but I'm not enjoying hating him. You know, those villains that you like enjoy hating, not enjoying hating Chadwick yet, but I love what Veronica does here. I love the way she manages. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, she manages Chadwick and her father here. I think it's really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Copter cab. Didn't they have some sort of helicopter accident? I keep expecting that to come back and be significant somehow. Um, yeah. Goodbye, Chadwick. That smug nitwit. You're missing the old me. Yeah, I like... I like Veronica on offense. I think this is a fun role for Camilla Mendez. Oh. Yeah. If daddy gets caught in my my crosshairs, so be it. Um, Yeah, the fact that he reads it and knows it's good and then tries to pass off it like, oh. I don't, I periodically will go through moments where I will just pause a show because I can't or stop watching a show a bit because I can't um a certain character dying towards the end of Angel was one of those for me where I just like could not watch the show for a month um and i Thought to myself, ugh, if Jughead makes this choice, I'm not going to want to watch this show for a bit because I'm going to be so mad at him. Ah, And then he saves it. This infuriated me. Infuriated. And he rips her name off the front. Urg. Urg. um I really liked the scene between Jughead and Betty um they pretty obviously weren't in the same room those two actors um which I think made the scene kind of more effective in a way knowing that listen this whole business about Betty wiping her lip and the stain I don't know like you're not you're really not doing it for me Riverdale with the way you're you have this person who's not a sex worker kind of pretending to be... I don't know. Just something about it really bugs me. Um, I also feel like they kind of straight baited a bit with Jughead and Betty. You know what I mean? Like, normally, for anyone who doesn't know, the term queer baiting is where they... um suggest that a romantic partnership between characters of the same gender are possible, is possible, and that the show might do it. And then they don't. Um, I feel like I got, like, I feel like they were trying to straight bait a bit with Jughead and Betty there. That sort of very sensual song and meet me at the bunker and the lipstick. Um, and then they don't do it. What is on these beers again? Something really good. I can't, I can't read it. I can't read it. Um, this is an interesting addition to the story. Um, yeah, I didn't know what to do with this, honestly. I didn't, I don't have any frame of reference for this as a trope in this genre or a trope in military stories in the media or a trope in reality. This, uh, this is something I don't know how to comment on. Um, I feel like the actor playing Uncle Frank has to do a lot of reacting and a lot of looking concerned and a lot of real talk, kid. Um, and um, uh, it, he's good at it. <laughs> That's where that was going. <laughs> gosh it's so interesting I feel like Ryan and I sometimes come across as a little bit patronizing because we're like oh that actor did a really great job but I just mean it I just mean that I was moved or that I noticed and was impressed you know Ooh, good suit on Kevin strange outfit on Cheryl really strange I don't understand great suit on Kevin oh there's some sirens. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I love that this this dynamic between Cheryl and her mother is playing out in the context of a cult. I think that's what all this stuff is about, really. Um, do not listen to this heretic. Um, big smile. Pretty look. Okay, rude. Rude using that word. Um... But I really do think that, yeah, this I guess these moments are sort of more about Cheryl and her mother than about anything else. I don't know what this Queen of the Bees business is about. I don't know what this is in reference to. If you know, then feel free to tweet us or email us. Um, I will say, Ryan and I are pretty abysmal at responding to emails, but we do appreciate them when you send them, so thank you. Ready for action! Listen, those uniforms are really well-made. They look good on uh, just about anybody, really. I think they're really well-made uniforms. Legacies are complex. Yeah. Um, I do, I love an underdog. I love that Archie and his pal are underdogs in this situation. Um, going into this, trying to make things right and tell the truth. This outfit on Veronica, the power walk, the arrival of the alcohol and the people who know how to distract, who are in charge of any situation that they're in. Um, airline hostesses I thought was an interesting choice I wasn't quite sure why maybe it's something to do with a helicopter I've never been in a helicopter I don't know if you get a flight attendant <laughs> maybe you do if you're extremely wealthy that's a huge bottle of champagne um yeah huge bottle of champagne I didn't notice in that long shot if that was actually both of them, um, or, well, was that a medium shot? I don't really know, but yeah, we, we cut between them, and I don't think, I don't think they're in the same room together. Um, yeah, I, this is a really interesting piece of the AA and NA program that I've been told about before. Um, I don't experience substance abuse disorder. um, But a a lot of people in my family are, uh, well, a couple people in my family are sober. And a lot of people in my friend group are sober as well. And they talk about, yeah, the apology tour, basically. The making amends part of um, recovery. And it's so amazingly profound I will often find myself thinking about how would someone who had been through AA or NA handle this moment how can we how can I handle this moment with that much grace I think recovery is really cool and I have a lot of admiration for it and honestly I really like this scene Um, I think it's I think the dialogue is I don't really um know if I subscribe to the n- notion of being addicted to certain experiences. I, I just, I don't know about that or being addicted to danger. I just don't know enough about it to make a comment on it. Um, so I don't know if the parallel between Jughead's addiction to a- alcohol and Betty's addiction to putting herself at risk um, is, is is a parallel to make. I just don't know. But I, I don't know. The dialogue in this sequence worked for me. Their performances really worked for me. Um, yeah. (laughs) You solved eight mysteries in high school and you were still valedictorian. Um, I think it's interesting that does sort of tap into something that I think a lot of people experience. I never did because the best thing about high school for me was, um, being young and not any, having any aches and pains and, like, the school part. I did not enjoy high school, per se. I had a great time in my 20s. Um, but for, you know, someone like Betty, who, like, really killed it in high school, I would imagine that adulthood probably seems like a bit of a bore. Killed it. haha. I don't think she actually killed anybody. She dealt with a lot of killers. Um... And, of course, most of these characters have trauma. And I, like, first season of this show, I really care, learned to care about these characters. And I really want them to be okay and to talk about their trauma and heal from it. I just care about them so much. <laughs> um, I think the other thing I liked about the scene was I really liked the way it was paced. And, like, don't get me wrong. It's still very in genre We're not in a hard-hitting drama, um, where everyone's gonna cry in the rain later, you know? Like, I know, I know what genre we're in. Um, oh, good acting! Good acting from both these actors here. It was just really a pleasure to watch this scene. Um, I love the fact that Jughead makes the right choice here. I was I was like, I can't believe I'm going to get what I wanted. Um, what are you saying to me right now? There's no novel, not even a wisp. Jessica has it. It is. It's out there. It's probably in the same city as you, Sam. <laughs> uh, and he really takes this on the chin. Oh, man. This is just the worst nightmare as a writer um i did I cheated to to um meet a deadline, and then I'm now owning up to it, and it has consequences and like I'm doing the right thing, but I did a wrong thing, and I feel really bad about that Ugh. and no Betty um but. and she's doing basically what the other women in the room are doing just with words instead of with swinging her hips gecko we've got a problem my boys and berry oh my god um fun choice from this actor who has one line here to be wearing a hat i wonder if that was his choice or a director's choice but very evocative really sets the tone of the room for me that he's wearing one of the hats you know i feel like if this was a more risqué show He'd be, she'd be, you know, one of the women in the room would not be clothed and be wearing his coat. You know what I mean? Like, it's a nod to that kind of, uh, um, that kind of movie, that kind of vibe. That Wolf of Wall Street, which is a movie I could not stand, but there was a lot of, um, this in that movie. And, yeah. I hope those women are getting paid and making a lot of money and having a great time. That is what I hope. Um, I love Hiram lurking in the background here. Kind of guessing what's happening. So this like alpha, beta male stuff, I don't like it. Didn't land for me. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yup. Masculinity is more complex than that. Oh, daddykins. <laughs> um, again, great outfit, great color scheme. Um, it's interesting that she tells him that she stole from him. Because that doesn't feel very strategic to me. It feels very gloaty in a way that does not serve her. But we'll see what happens. We will see. Also, there's like a whole pie there. Like a pie and a half, basically. Ooh, I want some diner food. But really what I want is to sit in a diner when there's no COVID at the bar and eat and either mess around on my phone or read a book or write something. That's what I want. And that is something I cannot have because... It is COVID. Alas, one day I will sit at diner bars and write in my notebook and drink coffee again. One day. Your priority is you. I feel like this is just really kind friend advice. You know I'm a drunk, right? And I'm a terrible busboy. So why are you so nice to me? Because you're my friend. Um. Also, we kissed that one time, and I think about it a lot. Even though I nearly made out with your ex-girlfriend, maybe are we getting queer baited? We don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to my song. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I've been the Tabitha in this situation so many times. <sighs> yeah. Why does she tell him? Again. Something about it being hidden under a house just seems really touching to me. I don't know. and It's just made out of paste. Ooh, he's so mad. Very dramatic. Big dramatic shot. Dark lighting here. None of our pinks and blues either. A little hint of pink, I guess. Here we go. Here we go. So, a little while ago, Ryan and I made a promise not to talk too much to each other on this podcast, not to talk too much about the sort of extracurricular part of this show, like what actors are doing on their Instagram profiles. I have to say, the guy who plays Archie's friend here. Um, the guy, uh, Eric, the guy who plays Eric, this actor, is has great Instagram content. That's what I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Carry on. Um, I like this outcome. I really like this outcome. This makes me think of um, Bo Bergdahl, again, actually, um, who uh was not punished unduly I felt for his actions I'm taking a position on that someone might feel differently don't at me over it um yeah don't at me over it Oh, man, I don't know. Again, this these choices for Betty, I just don't know. I don't know if this is the right fit for this character. Um, and Tabitha joining in. And I don't know. I feel like the, it's dangerous and it's reckless, and no matter what I say, you're not going to stop. I know that. Tabitha, listen. If you have addicts in your life, don't, like, come along for their addiction. <laughs> it's not great. It's really not something I would recommend. Having done it, please don't. Um, Although, good code on Betty, I have to say. Um, Everyone's happy here. This is a happy moment. I like this for these characters. And I do like where this scene ends. Quite a lot, actually. Um, Yeah. All of them sitting together. And it's really interesting that they put them in civilian clothes, to my mind, instead of in uniforms. Just a really interesting touch. There they are. Um, just themselves outside of being soldiers. Okay, here we are. Here, we're back. Where is Cheryl's character going? Is she really going to believe that she's capable of this? I also, I want to know more about Kevin and Fangs and Tony. I know if Ryan was here, he would be agreeing with me, so I'm going to speak for both of us. More Kevin. Okay, though, this outfit on Cheryl is really fun. I wish we could see more of it. Something inside me has shifted. Um, good plaid on Kevin. And the dark pinks are here, but they're a little muted. Um, and we've got this, we've got the fire, kind of like the fire at the Cooper house. This sort of is one of those mornings of things to come. Something is a fi- a, on fire here. Something is afoot. Something is kind of shimmering and smoldering in the background. <laughs> Kevin raising his eyebrows at first ever living saint. But what if I am? You need to go to therapy. Am the holiest of holies, Kevin's like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It would be miraculous, Cheryl. Um. Used to be seven days sober, but now I'm back to one, which is okay. Um. Worried about a couple of friends. Accepting the things you can't change. I think that's in the Serenity Prayer, which I think is recited at every NA and AA meeting, so long as everyone's cool with it. Um, yeah, I don't know why I got this really bad feeling about what happens next. <laughs> the classic Star Wars, I got a bad feeling about this. Well, Riverdale gang... Um, I, I'm sad that Ryan isn't here to give his feedback. All things considered, I liked that episode. It was a good, solid episode of Riverdale. Um, by the way, we do have a social. We have an Instagram, at Riverdale Gang. We have a Twitter, at Riverdale Gang. We have a Facebook page. We don't do a ton with them, I'll be honest. Um, usually if an episode is going to get posted late, which has happened a lot recently, which I don't feel great about. I'm sorry about that, Riverdale Gang um then we uh will let you know there. Um last few weeks have been kind of rough. I've been waiting for my friend to give birth, which they finally did earlier this week, so that's very exciting. It was a very quick and successful birth, which is really nice. And um yeah, feel free to again, we're not super responsive um to email, but please feel free to tweet at us and Instagram message us and Yeah, if you're excited about Riverdale and, like, picking it apart, then get excited about Riverdale and pick it apart with us. Um, I think it's, uh, I think it would be a fun time. Okay, Riverdale gang, take care. Thank you for coming along on the journey of episode uh, 16 of season 5, chapter 92, Band of Brothers. Have a great night!